folks i want to just drop in here before the episode and say a big thank you to everybody who is supporting the patreon what this means is at this point our first goal of providing transcriptions for everybody so that people can access the podcast has been achieved so super big thanks to everybody for that and what that means now is we can start moving forward with the second goal for the patreon which is to start upping the archaic technology that I've been uh, getting this podcast done on. So please head on over to the Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp or their links in the show notes. When you sign up, you will get access to extra material such as short talks by me and going forward, extra material with the various guests that I have on, which I will not be sharing anywhere along with artwork and previews of my new tarot decks and other creations long before I share them anywhere else. So head on over and support. It's no joke, as they say, every dollar really does help. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another installment of the Hermit's Lamp podcast. Today I have uh, got on the line with me Rose Red Robinson and Melissa Sanova, and we're here to talk about pop culture and the ways in which uh, pop culture and movies and stories and all these wonderful things uh, can influence us and be a part of our understanding of who we are and our journey. Um, that's, that's the official reason. The unofficial reason is I really want to hang out and talk about Big Trouble in Little China a lot. <laughs> and I'm not saying if you haven't seen that movie yet, that you should stop listening right now and go and do so. But I'm not saying you shouldn't, you know, because really, if you haven't seen it yet, I don't understand. You, you, you should go see it. You should go check it out. It's on Netflix. Um, so, but for, you know, people who don't know who you are, uh, let's start with you, Rose. Um, where are you? Give us, give us a quick introduction. Um, okay. Uh, I've been doing tarot off and on for 20 plus years. Uh, I am fortunate enough to have a wonderful podcast of my own that I do with Jamie Elford called Tarot Visions that was started back in 2013 with the lovely Charlie Harrington. And uh, he decided to pass me off to Jamie. Um, I've worked in uh, with Tarot Media Company for many years back in the day, uh, studied tarot for off and on forever, and I'm now kind of exploring uh, Celtic Reconstructionism at the moment, and uh, just a general happy reader. And I've been lucky enough to present at various uh, conventions uh, on the West Coast, Pantheacon and Northwest Tarot Symposium uh, being the two, as well as running some successful uh, meetups in my local area that I have also passed on to other people because I'm not the only one who knows everything. So it's awesome to be able to share and, and engage other people to be teachers as well as then I can be a student. So that's fun. That's me. Cool. Awesome. And Melissa? I can't really follow that. No, um, I know. I, like, um, pretty impressive, right? <laughs> I, I've been next year. I figured out I've been reading for um, 30 years and, um, uh, it occurred to me that I might be able to teach people like only five years ago. So I wrote a book. It came out last year. It's Kitchen Table Tarot. And um, my way of uh, teaching the cards is really similar to Rose's because we both grab onto what's around us mm -hmm. as kind of a pathway to what the card means. Um, and um, I don't know. I'm a mom and trying to figure out how to have, you know, three jobs at a time and, and still pursue tarot, which is my favorite sweetheart in the whole world. Um, is challenging but worth it. So, yeah. So that's that me. Book is awesome. Thank you. It's a, it's a Thank good you. Book. I like. It. We we have it at the shop. You can get it on everywhere. So check it Thank out. Thank you. Um. So, tell me, tell me about pop culture. You know, what what is it about pop culture that that intrigues you or interests you? 
you know, because I mean, like growing up, I always heard like TV is going to rot your brain, blah, blah, blah. It's all a waste of time. Right. Right. But, you know, but for me, it's, it's certainly, I mean, I guess I'll leave it up to the dear listeners to see if my brain is rotted or not. But, um, but, you know, to me, it always seemed like a way of understanding, a way of connecting, a way of making sense of things, you know, at its best. I mean, mm. right. But like, what, what is it about pop culture stuff that's interesting to you too? Okay, well, uh, I would say for me, um, it was kind of one of my first early experiences of finding spirituality, ironically enough, because um, I grew up when we could watch, you know, Bewitched, and uh, you, wa- you could talk about um, the Greek gods on the different Hercules shows and all of those things back with Harryhausen and all of that, and it was just like, oh, wait these aren't just crazy movies and TV shows. There's like stuff that they're based on and then going and finding out that, you know, there's the Greek mythology and going and studying that. And then of course, when you're in school, they're like, Oh, you're interested in that here. Let me give you more stuff because teachers want you to learn. And so that was really how I can incorporated the two. And I'm like, well, ISIS is amazing. I love that TV show. And then, Oh, it's a real thing. And then learning more about that as a child. I mean, with the wonder that we have as children and then, you know, Wonder Woman being, you know, the princess of, of now Thermoscara, but Paradise Island. And then also incorporating that with the Greek mythology and going, Oh, wow, this makes sense. You know? So that's kind of where it came from for me. Um, I don't know. Your mileage may vary, but that's, and then I didn't see it as pop culture at the time. I just saw it as, Oh, cool TV show talking about real out making something real air quotes on the real because again tv is not the real part um and just blending and that's how i built it up and it's like okay now i've got this connection and 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 yeah it made sense for me it was kind of finding um connection because i was a lonely nerdy little child (laughs) and um again i would watch wonder woman and i would watch um uh, I even mother goose, you know, with her pointy hat, riding a broomstick mm-hmm. with her familiar, you know, like I was always drawn to the witchy kind of stuff, but I didn't know what to call it. Um, and I loved uncle Arthur and, um, you know, all of, all of the things that had pieces of them that also fit pieces of me. Mm-hmm. And so I've always really been drawn to pop culture because it kind of helped me identify who I am. And like, I just saw a wrinkle in time and I sobbed through the whole thing because Meg was the only person I'd ever met that was like me when I read those books mm-hmm. and finding somebody that could like reach through pages and say, honey, you're normal. It's okay. You're just like me was just amazing. And that was very spiritual for me to find somebody who said, you're not aberrant and you're not a mistake, you know? So pop culture has been really important to me because I was lonely and the weird kids all over, you know, in, girl with the silver eyes or the x-men or all of these you know outside kids they were me and finding somebody that that showed my face back to me was really important so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah when i was Andrew? when i was um growing up in the 80s and all those bad ninja movies were coming out mm-hmm. um i was so fascinated with them you know and um and what ended up happening was me and my friends started trying to learn how to meditate because of it. Right. Cause we'd see, you know, the, these, these things that were really cool and exciting. Um, but then they'd be like sitting there meditating. They're like, Oh, we should meditate. What do we do? How do we do it? You know? And, and that led to me getting involved in martial arts and learning how to really meditate, you know, when I was like 10 and 11 and stuff like that. And, you know, it's one of the things that really became a through line for me, you know? And, uh, it's funny when um, when I met my partner Hanlon, uh, they hadn't seen Big Trouble in Little China, or they certainly didn't remember seeing it. You know, uh-huh. and uh, I'm like, you haven't seen this. We need to fix this right now, right? Because this is like one of the best movies of all time. And uh, and after watching it, he was like, "Wow, you're like all three of the main characters in one person. You're like, you know." Mm-hmm. Jack Burton, the, the the dorky kind of adventurous, like outgoing kind of person. You know, I was doing a lot of martial arts at the time we met. So, you know, Wang and sort of all of his Kung Fu stylings and stuff. Right. And then I was into all these magical things like Egg Chen, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like this very funny thing to have that reflected back to me. And 
you know, like you were saying, Melissa, you know, it's like there were elements in these characters or in the story that fit my sense of who I was, you know, and it wasn't quite as clean cut as like, I feel like just this one or that one, but the story and the interactions between all three of those sort of fit that sense of uh, who I was and how I, how I wanted to be in the world, you know, as well as my struggles and other things, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, and I think it going into adulthood, because I've always been, like, completely into any kind of pop culture, fairy tales, fantasy fiction, like, whatever, but I could put myself in different characters, so I'd read Battle in Langle, and I would be Vaniel, because I love Vaniel, and I would um, read Charles DeLint, and Jilly Coppercorn and I are right here, and it kept seeing the depth of the characters helped me see the depth in myself, almost, or that there were other options than being depressed, being quiet, being small. And since I didn't have really an example around me of an adult who was like me, I would base my behavior on the characters that I read who did things that were honorable and kind. And, and they kind of were examples to me, you know, I grew up without a mom. So seeing Wonder Woman was huge for me. That was like communion. I would watch her every week. And I identified with her and Princess Leia. That was like my mom character, you know, Mm -hmm. and it filled a void. And it was, and then the beautiful thing about it is that like Rose and I both are wonderfully crazy and we have that connection and we'll always have that connection. And it's so great to meet somebody and go, you dig that thing. I dig that thing too. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole other world where you reach outside of yourself and say, oh my God, I went to, you know, Comic-Con and, met three women dressed like Wonder Woman. It was the best day of my life, you know? Oh, so yeah. that level of outside connection is super important too. Well, and, and, and as you just mentioned, it's meeting other people. And I think the, the, the rise of the internet has really helped us, all of us with that because of the, the, I thought I was the only one who loved this thing. And in a group where you might have been at school, the only one that loved this thing. So you didn't know how to share it with your friends. And now as you've gotten older and the internet exists, it's like, oh my God, I can find people who love my thing. And I get to talk to people about it. I mean, one of the things that connected myself with with tarot and gaming, because that's where my tarot also blends, is the fact that one of the games out there had a tarot deck made for the game. And I'm like, oh my God, there's a game and a tarot and I can play both. And I was always the one that wanted to play the tarot character because that's who I was. And so I was always playing the Fate Witch in the seven seas game. Um, and then they came out with, with spreads to do with it. And it just, that, that built that spiritual connection for me, but it also was like reminding me that I'm not the only one who sees that or feels that or connects to that thing that I love. And then, you know, meeting all of you guys at different events has been awesome because it's like, now I can talk to somebody who also loves wonder woman tarot and, five billion other different things that we're like, oh my God, I never knew that people liked all those things that I liked. And, and I think that's kind of the, the thing for me is watching how that has happened over the years and how pop culture has become stronger for other people as well, because they who are younger than us um, had, have always had internet, have always had pop culture as a thing and we watched it grow. And I think that was kind of, what made me feel like more and more connected to the magic of it, not just the, the beauty of connection with people. Mm. But it's true. It's, it's, it's how we can turn something we love into a connection with our world. That makes sense. And the spirits around us. Okay. I'm stop. I don't know. I just, I think, I think it is really interesting, you know, and, and for me, um, I, I think partly because I, I almost died when I was 14. Um, I, I really, I didn't carry that stuff through in a lot of ways, you know? So like I was 14 and, and after that, I'd be like, after being in a serious accident, I was like, all right, I need to understand everything. And so, although I still read, you know, like Shannara books and like some mm. of that stuff. And like, I mean, I was definitely reading and consuming pop culture things and movies and so on. Um, I was also like reading Nietzsche and mm-hmm. like, like I was just like, all right, what is, what is this all about? Right. And so for me, I, 
I enjoyed those things as a sort of through line of entertainment, but, but I felt like the answers were elsewhere. And then sort of later on, um, and, you know, certainly sort of more in recent times, um, I've, I've sort of seen how much is, how much, you know, answers and sort of sense of meaning can come from these other places. Right. But mm-hmm. like, to my sort of teenage self, they just weren't serious enough, you know, mm-hmm. like I yeah. wanted to know the answers and therefore, you know, if a book wasn't hard to read, then it probably wasn't really helpful. It was kind of a, a thought that I had at one point, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, yeah. and yet I'm going to interrupt and say, but see, yeah. one of the things that I always come back to mind is that we get specifically in pop culture uh, items. There are levels so there's the level for the kid who's reading it. And then if the parent's reading it, there's more in there that we as adults could see. But when we're that young age, we might miss something. It's, it's what comes to mind right now is the Harry Potter books. You know, they were written and, and as they progress, the, the child reader gets older, but so does the characters. But that very first book, it looks like a kid's book, but it's really not. And I think that that's the thing that people kind of miss sometimes is there's underlying uh, elements for the adults as well. And so there's something that, that is being put into motion at first. Um, the next thing that just came to mind while you were talking about that is Steven Universe. It's a kid's show, but it's not. And that's, that's the, the beauty of bringing in the myths and legends around you know people and connection but parents are like oh my kid can watch that it's a cartoon mm-hmm. and yet there's yeah, more and there I, and i definitely i definitely don't think now that those no. things are missing, right yeah you know no, no. i mean i have read i've read all the harry potter books uh, i don't even know now because my kids keep rereading them and we keep rereading them to them right? right so you know we keep going through that stuff and there's all sorts of wonderful things in there you know for sure right but yeah, definitely it was a it was a concept that I had when I was younger about that stuff for sure, right? Yeah. I always found them too as kind of a gateway. So like the Madeline Langle books, uh, one of them uses Patrick's Rune, which is a Celtic prayer. And I went to the library and I asked the librarian, where did this come from? And she handed me five books on Celtic mythology. And then I wandered out of there and read everything I could about Celtic mythology. And I went back and she gave me Egyptology. And then I went back the next week and I had, you know, Chinese divination books. And so it all kind of fed from each other and it made me curious about everything, about all of it. And so I I love that within the story is another gateway to another story. I think that's why I'm a big gigantic nerd, if I'm honest. So, yeah. So, You've surrounded yourself by nerds, Andrew, just so you know. I know. That's great. I love it. It's perfect. I was, I was looking at my collection of uh, pop figures this morning mm. before leaving and thinking about recording today because I mm-hmm. have uh, pop figures, if anyone doesn't know them, are like these sort of little large-headed representations of, you know, m- mostly like cartoon and movie and TV show and stuff. And, um, you know, I was looking at my – I have Jack Burton – um, I've got Gracie Law, and I've got the glow-in-the-dark Bo Pan, and then I've also got uh, <laughs> General Voltan from uh, uh, Flash Gordon, which is uh, another one of my sort of favorite favorite childhood movies. But mm-hmm. uh, it, unlike uh, unlike Big Trouble in Little China, doesn't stand the test of time as well. Well, it's a pretty horrendous movie when but I went the back. Music the music does. The music's amazing. The music does. I mean, and, and Ming the Merciless is a tremendous bad guy and a wonderful look, you know? But, oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, lots of that movie is definitely really, really pretty horrendous. The last time I looked at it. But, uh, yeah. There's, there's so, nothing wrong with being surrounded with nerds. So, something that, because I took a class uh, at Pentagon last year on pop culture and magic, because that's what you do. Um, and Emily. Carlin was talking about how you can, because of the connections with the pop culture and magic, you can use some of those Funko Pop uh, characters in your practice. If you don't, you know, 
So you don't want your friends to know what you're doing, but you want to honor your gods. There's a lot of them out there that exist. And you just mentioned um, Lomin. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, would you consider using that as part of your practice if that were something you were trying to, that energy? Or even the energy of Jack Burton. I mean, because, I mean, the man's, the adventurer kingdom, you know, he's before we even get um, Indiana Jones. He never drives faster than he could see. I mean, yeah. he has got skills. <laughs> and he knows what he wants out of life. He wants to drive. He wants to adventure. You know, and that's, that's you know. So what do you, what do you think about that? I think that that's uh, entirely possible. You know, I mean, I, so I'm sitting here recording and I'm looking at my, uh, my shelf of things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a picture of Aleister Crowley. There's a painting I did of St. Expedites. Um, you know, there's like some self-portraits that I've done for magical reasons. And in the middle is my uh, Dr. Zayas Buddha. And, uh, you know, so Dr. Zayas from Planet of the Apes, right? The, mm -hmm. the science person who believed that sort of uh, religion and science ought to be the same and not at odds with each other, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, somewhere on... Uh, Etsy, I found this person who was making Buddhas with different heads on them, like Star Wars ones and Yoda ones and whatever. And uh, and I reached out because I was looking for something to to kind of use as a a magical anchor for my sort of joyous relationship to my work life, mm -hmm. and to sort of do some prosperity work with. Uh, and so I reached out to the person and I said, "Your stuff is amazing." what I really would like is a, uh, is a Dr. Zayas from the planet of the apes. And his response was, dude, I'm working on them right now. I will email you as soon as they are done. Right. That's brilliant. And, uh, and so I got one, you know, and, uh, you know, in gold. <laughs> oh right? my gosh. That's amazing. And it sits up here <laughs> with some other stuff and, you know, it's definitely, uh, it was for a while a focal point of a bunch of work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, now, now less so, you know, but, um, yeah. Different work now. yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, but, you know, but for me, I feel like, um, I use the pop stuff as tools for psychological and sort of inner self explorations. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm, I mean, because I practice a traditional re religion, I'm not, I don't really feel drawn to use them in sort of my more religious or devotional Mm -hmm. kind of stuff because those things already have their own avenues right um but i could see how and and also when i was younger if people didn't like what i was up to i would be like well screw you you're dead to me so okay and whoever that was you know so yeah. like the idea of obscuring things has never been a part of my process you know mm -hmm. um but uh but i can see how that makes a lot of sense though if it is right and i understand that for a lot of people uh, the sort of notion of flying under the radar, right? It's important. So, yeah. yeah. We have, we... Um, oh, sorry. We have a family altar in the middle of our living room and the kids help me. We clean it off at the end of the month and the kids help me kind of build it over the month and it gets covered with incense dust and whatever rocks we like. And, and then we start at the beginning of the month again. And any given month, there is a statue of Mary, um, some fox uh, fetishes from a Zuni tribe and uh, a couple of Wonder Woman Funko Pops and whatever the kids want to throw on. And it's, you know, if if my son is feeling particularly, you know, sad or, or feeling small, then he'll put his Thor Funko Pop on the on the altar. And that's his way of kind of kind of reaching out and connecting. Mm -hmm. And I've never made anything um, I've never disallowed them from putting anything, whether plastic or, you know, any kind of rocks or whatever on the altar, because it's, it's not really the antiquity or the ceremony around the object. It's what it means to you. Mm -hmm. And um, if Thor needs to be on the altar this month, cool, let's do it. You know? Well, and one of the things that I have um, in plenty is uh, I'm a Lego nerd. So, I have this, which is, I'm showing to uh, Andrew and, and uh, Melissa, it's a Lego minifig of the tarot reader who is holding a sun card and a, and a tower card. And um, when I first got one of these, and I've got like three of them now, I carry them with me in my tarot 
when I do readings out and people kind of go, what, what is that? And it's like, it's, it's a tarot minifig. See, it, this is not scary. And, mm -hmm. uh, but it's also, you know, representation of me sometimes when I like need to focus. And so it, it's, it's again, how pop culture and how pop stuff correct, you know, crosses over with my spirituality. So it's just a thing. I think that we all need to just, you know, grasp what works for us and, and build our practice around that part of it and, and honor the traditional because that's important is, is finding out what the traditions really are. But then when it makes it work for you, if connecting that with Wonder Woman, for example, or getting the, the Funko Pop of uh, Hercules, as you know, that was kind of cool, uh, works for you to represent that you know, or the Athena one, do it. I, I think that's great. But I also, you know, be aware of what you're, you're, you're connecting with too, because you're not, it's not just surface stuff. Yeah. I, I also think that it's certainly possible with a lot of these things to um, start opening up in directions and mm -hmm. making connections with things. And then, you know, and then you can kind of go off and explore the spirituality and come back around and and sort of revisit the the pop culture layer with new eyes as well, mm -hmm. right? It's a way in which we can, you know, continue to see deeper layers and maybe even um, sort of write extra layers on top of it, even if they're not there, right? Mm. You know? Yeah, I can see that. During um, during my classes, and I think Rose does this too, we both teach uh, tarot classes and we use pop culture in them. Mm -hmm. And so I have this feature that the name of which I accidentally stole from Jamie Elford, sorry, Jamers, called Pop Goes the Tarot. And I take a fandom like Firefly and I match it with a tarot card. Mm -hmm. And um, I found the response to those has been really huge because if you're having a problem figuring out what the hermit card is or what the emperor is. And if I say, you know, the emperor is Eric Cartman dressed up as a police officer saying, respect my authority. I mean, that is a pretty strong connection to the vibe of the emperor. Mm -hmm. And if they start there and then move on to like Benabel's gigantic book or another book that, that has like spiritual, historical, symbolic meanings right. of the cards, then they'll already have that first step into it and, and what it means, what it could mean for them, you know? And I think that if people do that with their own particular fandoms, they'll have an intimate connection with what that card is. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. been really fun. And I keep getting emails about ideas of fandoms to explore, but if they're not mine, I, I don't have the confidence um, to assign the cards to them. I'm still so, waiting for your Brady Bunch tarot. Oh, that would be a good one. Okay. I know that, man. I got that. <laughs> and I, I think that's that's the beauty of... of pop culture and connection connection with spirituality is that you are making a little bit more understandable for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And as you said, yeah, taking, taking the cards. Okay. Well, this is the emperor. Well, what's the emperor to you? You know, is it emperor Palpatine or is it, you know, the, I can't even think right now, Dumbledore. Let's just put it that way. Cause that's not even right though. But the point is, is that you're figuring out which, one matches up better for you, you know? I mean, the devil might be Voldemort. He might be, you know, Darth Vader. But he also might be, you know, the little girl from the Bad Seed, which is a 1930, 45-something, I don't know, 50s movie about um, <clears throat> a bad kid who personifies as beautiful and happy and lovely, and she does really horrible things for a pair of shoes in one point. Um, but anyway, the point is, is that you just connect these things and, and and then you can figure out what your personal connection is to either cards or to your spiritual path. And and also the fact that that's part of the, the collective unconscious as well, because all of these people also, the moment you say Lord Palpatine to a group of people, most of them, I'm not going to say all, but most of them know what you're talking about. So, you know, you're doing something with a group and you want to go, okay, pull a card. Oh, and this reminds me of Lord Palpatine. And the rest of the audience knows what you're talking about. And that's the beauty of the pop culture. Of course, it is also needing to be aware that it is country sometimes specific or fandom specific because there are people that haven't seen Star Wars. Well, and also I, I think that each of, these, each of these worlds has varying stories and ideas mm -hmm 
uh, around power and around, you know, who's, who's the emperor or the devil, right? You know, is the, uh, you know, is, is the emperor positive, you know, is it, or is it really like a great and, and endearing and lovable figure? Could be, you know, right. Is it, is it somebody nefarious and, and controlling, you know, um, as I was organizing this, uh, Aiden Walker resurfaced something he'd done previously where he had put Ming the Merciless Flash Gordon as an emperor, as the, the emperor card, right? You know, Ooh. Guy's an emperor. It's a That's horrible true. emperor, right? <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know, and, and I think that, I think that there's this level at which, um, you know, we can start to understand the ways in which uh, we or people view lots of different ideas mm-hmm. as we look at those, you know, what, what is the notion of uh, justice in Firefly or in, you know, this, that, or whatever, right? Justice you know, League. Right. Justice League. Yeah. How good are the good guys? Right. You know, if we're, if we're looking at Watchmen, you know, it's a whole oh, yeah. different matter. Right. You know, but uh, yeah. So. And Batman wow. has been a total a-hole lately. So. Yeah, I mean, he always was. That's why I liked Batman. You know, I mean, when I got into Batman comics, I was reading them when, when like the Dark Knight starts, like the comic mm-hmm. books start coming out in Arkham Asylum and the Joker and Killing Joke and all that kind of stuff, right? And mm-hmm. Batman was this pretty sort of amoral, you know, fairly fairly dark character you know and it mm-hmm. was interesting right you needed a counterpoint though for to, to superman so yeah right you know um so I, I think that yeah again it's it's always it depends on what we're looking at right if, if are we talking about adam west as batman that's one thing right are we talking about you know uh christian bale or you know uh, or these other comics and stuff i think that that also becomes quite interesting and then how do we how do we reconcile sort of what's behind all of those things? You know, what is, what is that? Right. Mm-hmm. It carries through all those through, through lines, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, and being able to reconcile which versions you're using as you're, as you're pointing out, because they all have different flavors, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they're different characters because they're all parts of Batman. They're just highlighting different facets. I mean, everybody went freaked out when Ben Affleck was cast as Batman. And my first thought was, well, he'd make a great Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Not, and I didn't even think of him as Batman. I just thought of him as the Bruce Wayne part of the character because I think that he has the gravitas for that part. I don't know about his Batman. I'm not going to talk about that. But the point is, is that I didn't lose my, my cool over it, let's put it that way, as other people did because they, they felt that, that Batman needed to be darker the, well, and Christian Bale really pulled off a very strong Batman, I think. But again, I it think, depends on who's writing it. Go ahead. I think that's an important part too, is that people take these very personally. This is, I always think that people, um, you know how you're not supposed to talk about religion and politics and stuff. I think that's because people hold their beliefs so close to them, they become integrated with who they are. So if you question the, the belief, you're questioning the person. So that's my base belief. And I think that people take fandoms to that level too. Um, like I was in an elevator one time with my Wonder Woman lunchbox and somebody's like, is that your kids? And this is a stranger. And I said, no. And she goes, aren't you a little old for that? <laughs> and I, you know, wanted to say, shouldn't you go, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I almost started crying because it was so personal mm-hmm. and such an intimate thing for me that I was like, I, I can't fix what she picked on. I can't make that different. It is part of who I am. So is it something I could like hide it behind my back and pretend that it never happened? She, she picked on something that was really intimate with me. And I think that that's why like people get really upset if their identity of who Batman is, is picked on or it's shifted from who they see it is. It's mm-hmm. very personal. Yeah. By the way, the response well, to that should have been, um, no, and where's your sense of imagination? But anyway. Well, so one of, one of the other fandoms that I'm that I'm quite enjoy is Doctor Who, right? And yes. Doctor Who is a is an interesting one in that regard because Doctor Who is always changing, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you know, I think that that's kind of uh, 
uh, it's one of the things that makes it fascinating for me, right? You know, mm-hmm. I, I certainly have my favorite and less favorite iterations, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, but yeah, I think it's really interesting, you know, and I think that it's, uh, it's the, this notion that we end up at, right? Which mm-hmm. I think that it's one of the reasons why we like fiction so much, right? In its various forms is fictional characters or, or stories or whatever, they're allowed to change, right? But if we walk through the world, it's easy to end up in places and around people where it's much harder or maybe sort of unofficially not permitted to change, right? Mm. All of those social constructs of our job and our relationships and our friends and stuff can sort of exert this force that seeks to keep us in a constant relationship, right? We always we always have to be Ben Affleck or we never can be Ben Affleck or whatever it is about that Batman, right? Mm-hmm. And yet these stories and the way in which um, both they're reinvented and, and as the worlds get rewritten, um, but also as they go through their journeys, they get to become different people, which I also think is very fascinating, you know? Yeah. I think the, uh, I think that, you know, bonking someone in the head with your Wonder Woman uh, lunch bag, it's uh, probably a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> I endorse that. The Jack Burton in me says, do it. <laughs> yeah. It's all in the reflexes. Well, and I, I, it sounds like you were surprised by the commentary too. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that, that is kind of surprising. It's like, why would you say that to someone that you don't even know? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, yeah. And I know lots of people who like complain or make comment about people doing cosplay or people doing this. I'm like, why, why on earth are you, uh, you know, peeing in someone else's Cheerios? Just mm-hmm. let them have their fun and do whatever they're doing. Like, what does it matter to you? Why do you care, right? That is such like, a visual, why... thanks. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> uh, but like, why on earth would anybody care what you watch or don't watch or carry or, you know, all these things, right? Like, just, you know, yeah. And I've gotten emails from people who said that, um, like, I've had four or five, actually, in the last couple of years that said I'm making light of a sacred tradition. And I'm like, if you don't like my book, because my book is pretty light. I connect things to pop culture. I connect them to stories in my life. I connect the cards to pretty much anything that I find relatable as a form of teaching. If you don't like it, don't fucking read my book. That's fine. Don't, don't read my stuff about pop culture. Don't. Go find something else that you relate to. But if you find yourself wanting to send that email, also don't do that because, you know, blocked and deleted as my kid says, it's just, why would you do that? Why would you take the time to, to try to impress yourself on another adult who already has their ideas? And it just seems so futile and self-promoting and crappy. Why do people do these things? What do you think? I think well. they feel small <laughs> and they want to feel big. That's, and I think it's sad. Well, I mean, it pisses me off, but I also think it's sad and you know it's a way for them to feel big it's a shitty way to do it but it's a way you know yeah and also it's it's a way to to say hey see i i'm smart i know this thing and maybe you don't and here let me let me let me explain it to you so that you see the error of your ways well actually if you take <laughs> well, and and that's i think a big thing that's going on is that you know as as the older guard, if you will, starts passing on, unfortunately, um, the younger guard is going to take what they, they've learned, and they're not going to ignore the sources, but they're also going to make it their own. And I think that's what you do, is that you remind people, yes, there are these big things and sacredness to everything, and please honor that. But while you're learning that stuff, to be able to use your tools now, here's a way to connect it to what you're going through with your everyday life. I mean, part of, okay, <clears throat> James Wanless, because I talk about him a lot in general, um, is, is him. He created the Voyager trope. If you look at his courts, they're not Night King, Queen Jack, or Night King Page. They're child, woman, man, sage. Because it was like, okay, in the 80s, we don't know anybody really not in 
in America, let me be specific, who are knights, kings, queens, and pages, really. Yeah, if you go to England, you can find them, I know. But I know a child, I know a woman, I know a man, I might even know a sage, who's someone who knows a lot of stuff. So that's like, and it's modernizing something. That didn't mean he threw out the past. He just brought some more stuff up to the future. And I think that's what you, Melissa, are doing with your work, is that you are taking this sacred knowledge that you learned and then applying the stuff that you love and connecting them and making them more helpable for a modern view. Again, not ignoring where it came from, but not saying, okay, we can only talk about it in that fashion. Because you need to have something that you can connect to, or it's not going to stick. At least and that's I, been my experience. My biggest hope about this book is that it is completely irrelevant in 30 years. I would love that because I want everybody to just kind of evolve and I want ideas to change. And there are already a couple of things that I put in it that I'm like, damn it, I kind of want to fix that. But it's too late. And because I think that culture, you know, my kids think different things than I do. They're 12 mm -hmm. and 14 and their kids are going to have a whole different perspective. And I think that tarot lends itself to, to being whatever you need it to be. And mm -hmm. so I, I think that what people will need it to be in 30 years is going to be something entirely different. I think that's beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I agree and I disagree with you. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out some other options here. Um, and I'm going to start by framing it in a, in a different context and then come back to Tara, right? Okay. So um, as, as, as you both know, and as people who listen probably know, right, uh, I practice, you know, an Orisha tradition in a, in a very traditional way, right? And so for me, this is a very sacred thing, you know, and certainly in, in my practice, I endeavor to um, follow the traditional ways of doing things and work with my elders and all of that kind of stuff. And so here's this thing that I identify and hold very sacred and not immutable. Um, and not, not that I think that there aren't some things that might benefit from changing, but, you know, but in general, I'm very like, this is it. This is, these are the things, this is how it's done. Mm -hmm. And these are within that structure, the beliefs about, how these spirits work with people and, and so many things, right? And then I run a store and I go out in the world and I do things and people do all sorts of other stuff, right? And that stuff ranges from um, interesting and sort of regional difference to like horrendous, in my opinion, misunderstandings and appropriation, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, there's this practice where I, I have my own structures and, and beliefs and, and structures in which I work. And I look out from that place into other things that people are doing. And lot, so much of it, I don't really understand what's going on at all. Mm -hmm. um, or from a traditional point of view, it's problematic or inappropriate. Um, but I recognize that everybody's free to do whatever they like. And so I just largely ignore or just don't engage people when they're doing other things. Right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to tarot, I, I think that it's very challenging, you know, and Mary Greer just had a big post of this on, on her Facebook. If you're, if you're a follower of hers, you can probably scroll down a bit and find it about this sort of, can we just do anything with tarot? Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that it, to me, while it's not as clearly defined as my religious practice, which is a very clear and sort of longstanding traditional structure, I think that, that, that with tarot, there, there's this sort of central core of things, which to me uh, encompasses what tarot is, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then as you migrate out from those sort of pieces, um, and depending depending on which sort of pockets you choose to work with, right? Um, are you a rider weight person and, and following kind of in that line? Are you a more esoteric person following that line? Are you reading in a more sort of European style with like Marseille cards or so on? Mm -hmm. um, but to me, there's a place at which it loses its 
cohesion as we start doing anything with it, right? And mm -hmm. it's a place at which the, um, the absence of what I sort of perceive as coherence um, starts, I, 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 again, I have a similar feeling, although it's in a different way, um, where I, I just stop understanding what's going on. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like, I just don't understand what, what, is, what is it that's happening here? How does this work? So, anyways, that's my, that's my response to what you said, Melissa. So. That, was, that was a lot. And I, I do agree with you, but I think what I was trying to say, and maybe didn't do a good job, is that my opinion is not the only opinion, and that there is going to be a core. It, it can't be tarot and be 10,000 different things at the core of it. It has to be basically the same thing for everybody. But I'm not teaching the core of anything. I'm teaching what I think. I'm teaching what's relatable to me. And like, I learned to read on this Eden Gray book and I read it so much that like it's held together by duct tape and prayers. I mean, it's just, it's really beat up. She didn't speak my language and it took me a long, long time to figure out what the hell a hierophant was, how to say it. I'm still not sure if I'm right. It, I couldn't relate to it at all. It wasn't until I found Rachel Pollock and Mary Greer that I went, oh, they're speaking my language. And Barbara Moore spoke my language, you know, and those three women taught me tarot. And Eden Gray tried to for like 15 years, but I, it was so far removed from who I was and my understanding that I had to read it with a dictionary in one hand, you know, to try to figure out what the hell she was talking about. Mm -hmm. So when I say that I hope my stuff becomes irrelevant, it's gonna, I'm not going to be relatable to a 14 year old in 30 or 40 years it's just not going to happen and i think that's great you know you don't know you'll have a syndicated tv show at that point yeah books and movies and yeah. be following <laughs> you on the internets and manga interpretations of your books and reinventions and, <laughs> you will yeah. have been flown to china many times and <clears throat> but no seriously um and, and and i think i agree with melissa on this but i also see where your point is andrew and i think what i I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater, if you will, because again, if you're following a tradition, that's very different. Um, in my opinion, uh, because again, like you said, your Arisha has a structure mm -hmm. and tarot has a structure. True, true. And adding pop culture to it won't take, shouldn't, let me be more specific, shouldn't take away from the underlying structure. But as and, and I don't think that pop culture is at all an issue in relationship to tarot. Like no, I wouldn't no, no, no. having this conversation if I did, right? No, no, no. But what I'm saying is that I also think the way that I may have phrased it is like it, it does not apply to everything. You mm -hmm. cannot apply. You can't take the Orisha tradition and then apply pop culture to it. They're two very different things, mm -hmm. and there is a foundation in tarot that is that is being is something you can move and, and, and mesh with. Um, but it doesn't, the, the foundation doesn't go away, even when you apply the pop culture. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 the ahead. difference between the two is that Orisha is sacred. And when tarot is sacred to someone, they don't really want pop figures in their tarot. Right. So it's, it's how close you hold it to, to who, who you are and, and your faith. And tarot to me is a tool. It's a stack of pretty cards that help me do my thing. It's fantastic. And I'll be really pissed if one of my sacred to you, right? It's it's a tool. It's a tool that I love, but I you know I I don't have it on my altar. I don't I don't worship it. I don't think that you know I think they're they're a tool that I can use really well, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're sacred to me, you know. Um, well, I, and I that might be the difference, you know. And um, you know, for me, like with my with my tarot cards, right? You know, I, I'm a huge fan of the Joseph Peterson reproduction of the Jean Noble Tarot de Marseille. Mm -hmm. And it's basically the only one that I read with right now. And um, so like when I, when I realized that they were going to go out of print, I just took three and put them in a drawer <laughs> cellophane wrapped so that when the one that I'm using now wears out, which is starting to kind of get a bit worn, I just be like, yeah, I don't need to be sad about this. They're just ink on paper. I'll go get another one from the drawer, you know? Yeah. 
I did the same yeah. thing with the UC uh, Pagan Otherworlds Tarot. Mm -hmm. I saw one picture. Ryan Edward posted a picture of it, and yeah. I bought two. And I was like, this is for me, and this one is for future me. <laughs> and future me is going to thank me because I'm going to read with this about 10 times a week forever. And, and then I'll need a new one because they speak to me so much, but it's just like a really good chef's knife. You know, if you find the knife that fits your hand, that's the one that you want to want to have around. Mm -hmm. Not that I can For cook. Sure. I really can't, but I know that knives are expensive. <laughs> knives are important. Knives are important. No, I agree. But again, it's, it's kind of like, you're honoring the basis. You're not changing it, and you're you're adding a layer to understanding. I don't. It's it it uh, gosh, that's just two very separate things for me. Because um, again, I do put tarot cards on my altar, and and I generally use the Rider Waite Smith just because it's simple for that. I don't read with one of those very often unless I'm at a, an event where I don't know if people are going to know it. I bring in one with me. But I, my cards always vary. I'm either carrying around the Everyday Witch uh, Tarot, which just recently came out in the last two years, or the Druid Craft, um, which I've cut the borders off of, which was a thing you didn't do back in the day, and now you do if you want to. Um, and, and I've got like three copies of that particular deck because it spoke to me. Uh, I've got my Robin Wood because, again my mood changes. I mean, I've got three different copies of the Voyager and I have one that I've cut in fours so that I can like have a focus. Okay. I need to have something focused, pull that corner of that card and go, okay, that's the thing I need to look at. Then go get the bigger image and, and, and it, you know, figure out what that was. And, but again, I don't think I'm getting rid of the sacredness that the tarot air quotes is founded on. Cause again, we're still, there's still arguments about how that's been founded anyway. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily take pop culture and, and put my religious aspects on it. Cause like I said, I'm trying to study uh, Celtic recre recreation is or man <sighs> talking Celtic reconstructionism. That's the word. Um, and I'm trying to find out that by reading their actual text and that's, not, but again, now how do you talk to people who are studying Norse mythology right now? And, you know, all the love of all of the, the Thor movies and all of that, you know, what about Loki in those movies? Because people are now making their version of Loki look like Tom Hiddleston, lovely as he is. Uh, that's not the Norse mythology Loki. Mm -hmm. So, but they're blending that a little bit. And is that going against the sacred text because that's their image of it. Even though they may be reading the actual text, they're still visualizing Tom Hiddleston. I don't know. I'm always a fan of visualizing Tom Hiddleston, just to be on record. I have no problem. <laughs> I think few people have a problem with that. Very, very few people. Yeah. He's lovely, but, but do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So, but I think it's again, goes to how close do you hold it to you? Hmm. You know, if that's something that you hold very close to you, then that's not okay, you know? And I think that um, that we have to be really mindful of that with other people of how, mm -hmm. how close they hold something. Yeah. Um, before we go goofing around with it, you know? For sure. Did that answer your question, Andrew? Did I have Andrew? a question? Well, well, I mean, I want to make sure we spoke to them because, I mean, again, you said you agreed and disagreed with our statement. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I get, I get both of what you're talking about. And, and I want to make sure that we yeah, responded. No, I, I, think that, I think that there's a couple of things, right? One is um, people get really upset about the tradition of tarot, right? And what they mean by the tradition of tarot depends on who that person is, right? Yeah. Do they mean, you know, Arthur Waite and, and uh, Ryder Waite Smith and sort of the various things that come from that? Do they mean you know, um, something different, like, you know, and, and to some extent, I think that there's this sort of, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fake argument, right? Because ultimately there are, there, are, there are at least a handful of branches of tarot from a, from a big perspective, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that you can go down and then there's all the sort of branches that come from those things. And if you're in one and looking at the other, they're they're always kind of challenging right you know i mean mm -hmm. i i started reading tarot um 
initially with the mythic tarot, but, but really focused on Crowley's work. Right. And so I basically just read the book of Toth, right. Over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And people would say to me like, well, how did I learn Crowley's Toth deck? I'm like, you wrote a book, you read it. Like that's what I understand the question. Right. Right. And uh, you know, it's kind of unfair because the book is uh, complicated and obtuse and difficult to read, and, you know, all those things. Right. But, but again, it was the only thing I could get my hands on. And back in the eighties and nineties, as far as I knew, it was the only thing in print. There was nothing else to get. So I was like, I'm just going to keep reading this thing until it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Right. Um, but I, but I also think that, I think there is the challenge where people layer other things like, well, maybe like pop culture, certainly like their own uh, intuitive or self-derived meanings and then assert those as, um, as, as like, you know, universal or inherently true or, or all those kinds of things. Right. Because there are, I think that one can do anything you like with tarot. And I think that you should do everything that you like and feel like you want to do with tarot and associate those meanings and and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, the challenges where um, where where people sort of erase the rest of the branches of the trees right mm-hmm. you know i've met a i've met a, a bunch of people who are very good psychics who used cards but i would never really consider them card readers because what they do has no bearing on anything that i've ever understood to be reading the cards hmm. they lay them out and they start talking and they're like oh yeah this one like blah 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 and i'm like why is the Ten of Swords getting a new job? I'm like, I, they're like, oh, it's a message I get. I'm like, okay. And their readings are true. Right. Them, but they literally have no bearing whatsoever on anything that anybody would agree upon who has studied cards at all, right? So, yeah. I, but those people, the, the, the couple of people that I've met that way asserted that what they were doing was traditional, like was reading the cards. And I'm like, it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's something else, you know? And not that it's invalid, but it's, uh, it's where things get, confusing right mm-hmm. so yeah so that's my that's my mix of things now i want to meet some of those people and see how they read because that'd be interesting because the ten of swords as a job hmm. eh. yeah. interesting it's it's easy you just you just imagine you just like deal out like 20 cards on the table in some random ever-changing pattern every time you do it and then you just look at them and say things and then that's it that's that's what it looks like. So. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, I will have to check find somebody who does it that way. Then that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Uh-huh. Were you going to say something, Melissa? I saw you like leading in there. Yeah, I. You know, I think that I've read like that before when I've just done the readings intuitively, and the cards don't matter. I don't. I hardly look at them. And if I need to make a point, I'll find the card that makes that point with what I'm saying. But it becomes like a, a connection, psychic reading or whatever. And I'll glance at the cards and just do the reading. And I'll pull stuff out of wherever it comes from. And the cards, basically shuffling them helps the person relax. You know, handling them helps me get in the place that I need to be. And, and then the reading just happens. And should I see something in the cards that pushes forth what, what I'm getting, then I'll be like, oh, yeah, this thing here, right? You know, this is what the sword is doing. And it kind of, um, I did it more when I was first starting out because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I was like, oh, well, I'm thinking about your mother and here's a lady sitting in a chair. So clearly those two things are related. But now if I'm not paying attention to the way that I'm doing readings, I'll just start reading for somebody while they're shuffling before they've even put the cards like down and I'll start the reading. And then I'll be like, Oh crap, I was supposed to wait. Sorry, my bad. And that's just how my readings have evolved. So it's, it's strange, but you know, it is what it is. I'm not everybody's cup of tea, (laughs) but you are someone shot of whiskey. It's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit weird in that way, but I think that it's just kind of merging two different styles of reading because I can read just the cards and I can read without them. And when I merge the two, sometimes one way is stronger and sometimes the other one is. So. Yeah. But you're not, uh, doesn't sound like you're confusing the two. 
No, they're definitely right. different. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So for people who want to play with pop culture, what should they do? What do you mean? Well, people are listening to this and maybe this is a newer idea or they've been thinking about it, but don't know where to start. If you're like gonna gonna start like incorporating or thinking about pop culture as a, a thing that could overlap and intersect with spiritual practice like reading the cards or something else, where do people start? I always like when I have students, I ask them to start a tarot journal. And I the one of the first things I ask them to do is to find their favorite fandom and match the major arcana to as many characters as they can. And then we talk about why they came up with those answers. Mm. Um, the other thing I do is ask them to find a song for each card and a song that kind of speaks to the meaning of, um, like there's a song called Pendulum Swinger. And I'm like, this to me um, by the Indigo Girls is the high priestess. And so they listen to the song that I pick. And I say, why do you think I picked that? And it just gives us like, an hour's worth of conversation based on a song and firefly about about cards and it, it helps them connect to them in a way that they didn't know that they could and it's fun it's really yeah. fun so that's what i do oh i and i generally try and have people just look at the cards and see what they see if they're new and they're like, I'm not, this makes no sense. The first thing I tell them, and sorry, people who write the little white books or the LWBs, I tell them to put that away. Um, and to, to just take, take time with, you know, tarot journal every day, pick a card, write what you see, tell me what it feels like to find a word, just one word to describe that card and go through all the cards. And then, and then, is there something in your, your, your community, your stuff you love, the interests that you have that comes up for you when you see that card? Write that down. And then when we meet, we talk about what it is you saw, why did you see it, and how does it connect? And sometimes it's pop culture. Sometimes it's just, you know, something they read. But that's, and that's still something that's going on around them. And then we talk about it. And then, you know, it might be because most of my friends are Star Wars friends. We talk about Star Wars connected to the tarot or we'll talk about Star Trek because that's the other fandom because um, we're old school like that. Well, when I, when I was way. studying Kabbalah the first time, mm -hmm. uh, Star Trek Next Generation was on the air, right? Mm -hmm. So the conversation was, all right, Tree of Life, which one's the captain? Which one's Worf? Which one's, you know, whoever, right? right? Kind of running through that and, and making those parallels and and, and sitting in a room of people and discussing that, you know, mm -hmm. and that's such a wonderful, like, I think that one of the great things about these kinds of ideas is the dialogue about where they can get ascribed to is tremendously educating, you know, mm -hmm. and there's no right or wrong answers, you know, depending on the, the angle or the lens we use, they could be a variety of things, right? You know, I mean, uh, you know, Jack Burton can be the fool, right? But they could also be a variety of other things depending on where they are in that journey, right? Right. But, uh, yeah. Well, and, and who, who would you make? I, I would say Wang might be more the fool and, and Jack is the magician. I don't know. I put Wang as temperance and Burton as the fool because Wang balances mm -hmm. mind, body, and spirit a lot better than anyone else. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it, you think about Jack Burton, you know, especially that scene where, like, all of the scenes with him with that machine gun, right? Like, he's there and he's got this machine pistol thing, right? Yeah. He jumps out and he tries to shoot it and he's like, oh, it doesn't work. And then he goes back and tries to fix it and he comes back and all of a sudden everything's, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. He drops it or he shoots the bricks over his head and they hit him in the head and he falls down. Or, you know, like, there's this constant set of uh, of things, right? I mean, to me, um, uh, Egg Chen would be the magician, right? You know, he's got his he's got his potion, right? Yeah, it helps them see things nobody can see and do things nobody can do, right? And yeah. uh, he's got his. But I would make him the hero font. And, mm. I'd make him the hero font because he's the teacher. Even though you may not want to learn the lesson or you're not ready to see it, he's got the answers. But that's me. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think that Gracie would be that because Gracie has all the backstory and all the information that they're missing 
to go on their adventure. So, you know, Gracie Law basically jumps in to, to say, oh, by the way, you need to go to this place. This is who that guy is. Here's what he's up to. Here's who these guys are. And in that way, he has them the keys to their adventure, right? Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about this conversation is all of us disagree and nobody's being an asshole about it, which I think <laughs> is really cool. And that more people should probably do when they're talking about tarot. Yes, no matter what the, the lens that you're talking about it with, I would agree. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, thank you all for hanging out and indulging my ridiculousness around this conversation. I uh, deeply appreciate it. Um, Rose, where, where should people come find you online? They want to uh, you can find me at, on Twitter at RoseRedTarot and also on Instagram at RoseRedTarot or you can uh, find me on Tarot Visions Podcast on iTunes and Podbean. Nice. And links in the show notes. And Melissa? Um, if you Google Little Fox Tarot, you'll find me. I'm out there. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, it's been really fun and ridiculous. And thanks for agreeing and disagreeing, but certainly for showing up. So awesome. So thanks as always for listening. I definitely appreciate everybody who takes the time to tune in to these podcasts and especially those people who send me all sorts of kind words and thoughtful feedback about what we're doing here. Uh, I really appreciate it. If you are inspired by what's going on, please consider supporting us by going to the Patreon link in the show notes and or also by reviewing us on iTunes to help people find us more easily or just sharing this in your social media feed, maybe even with a little sentence as to why people might enjoy it and take the time to listen to it. Thanks for helping spread the word. Thanks for helping make this happen. Thanks for being out there to share all this good stuff with.